Whether it was witchery, some modern science, or a demon let loose from hell, I am unable to decide. Williams Bell from an authenticated history of the Bell Witch. Who, who's there? From 1817 to 1821, an entity calling itself Kate tormented the Bell family of West Tennessee. There is still no widely accepted explanation for this haunting. Coming summer 2024, on the new hit audio drama Afflicted, the Bell Witch returns to haunt a family in 1960s Tennessee. But only if we raise enough money to pay our cast and crew a living wage. Help bring this haunting to life and snag exclusive rewards like limited edition supporter t-shirts, producer credits, and more at afflictedaudio.com support. But do it quickly. Some perks are limited only to early supporters. Horrorstruck. My name is Cecilia. I'm Riley. I really thought you were going to say you were like Louie or something. No, I couldn't think of any vampire-centric things. I'm the queen of the damned. Sure. It's Pride Month. I can be a queen if I want. That's true. I guess it depends what kind of queen you are. Of the damned. I, I okay. made that very clear. Happy Pride Month. Happy end of Pride Month. Happy last week of Pride Month, and then we have to go back to 11 months of shame. 11 months of straight. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, we could we could watch queer movies not during Pride Month as well. We could do it year-round. I'm just afraid that we'll run out. But horror has always been super queer, so I really don't think so. I think we could take any movie and go, I'll tell you why this is actually gay. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, what are we talking about today? We're talking about vampires, again, for the third week in a row, I think. Uh, we're talking about Interview with the Vampire. We've, I think I've already said this, but I feel like they're the most clear allegory to like queer characters in horror. So it makes sense that the majority of like well-known queer horror are vampire movies. Yeah, it's um, just the nature of the vampire to be horny and slutty and gay. And that's why I'm wearing this shirt with little buttons today. Which um, no one can see but you, so I'm sorry for flashing <laughs> you my <laughs> very sad pale chest. No, flash away. I, we'll put, we'll put a screenshot <sighs> online of it. <laughs> Wait, where are my nipples? They're so far down. There's one. Oh, nice. Thank you. X-rated today. <laughs> That's why I'm um, here. 
Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Interview with the Vampire was a book that was written by Anne Rice. She wrote it, it, well, it came out in seven, 17, <laughs> 1976, and it is really a cornerstone of horror. Uh, they made a movie adaptation of it with Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Kirsten Dunst, Antonio Banderas in 1994. And then last year, they released a TV series um, based on the book and Anne Rice's universe. I can't remember what the company is called. Do you remember what the company, like the Immortal Universe, I think is what it's called? Oh, I have no idea. I just know that... Um there's the movie is called interview with a vampire colon the vampire chronicles but i don't know what the whole umbrella for the universe is yeah um i think the the show because amc must have gotten the rights from anna rice's estate because she passed away in 2021 i want to say off the top of my head i believe what it was because i watched a short video of how this show got made and as far as I understand, uh, Anne Rice and her son, Chris, were both executive producers on the show. And then she oh. passed away before anything to do with the series came out. Interesting. I'm really intrigued to read one of his books. I've heard mm-hmm. that his books are really good, but I, I haven't partaken. Yeah. So I, what is... No, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean oh, to Oh, no. That was... I did not know he was a writer until I watched that video. So that was kind of cool that he's... um following in his mom's footsteps it's like a stephen king joe hill owen king kind of thing so what's your experience with anne rice and her vampire universe i have a very secondhand experience from this between you who i know had a short-lived anne rice phase and uh my brother and i also had a stepdad person who he graduated high school in 95. So the movie came out like when he was a senior or junior and he was very into it. We had a dog named Louie after Louie from, you know, the vampire interview with the vampire. And that's really all I've got. There was also like Jeff, our stepdad was a weirdo and like based a lot of his look around this movie So he always had really long hair. He had the weird, like, long fingernails because I guess he just wanted to look like a vampire. Yeah, it was very bizarre. And he, I don't know if we'll get in trouble for playing a clip, but I think we should anyway. I don't think we will. He wrote a vampire rock opera that was clearly influenced by Interview with the Vampire. And it was really fucking bad. I know I've sent it to you and it just sounds like a sad, strange man whining over Muzak, like elevator music. It's very bizarre. <laughs> it's just a uh, vampiric Randy Newman. <laughs> it, Yeah. Once you pointed that out, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, that is what his yeah. voice sounds like. The, the way he sings is just very Randy Newman, which I, I just find delightful. Um, I do think there's something to it, though, because the second that I thought of it the other day, one of the songs immediately got stuck in my head. I was like, okay, I kind of get it. It's bad, (laughs) but there's something to it. 
it reminds me so much of um forgetting sarah marshall like oh my the, god the, the dracula puppet show yeah oh. because um oh what's his name the actor's name uh jason uh, seagal seagal Siegel, yeah, he his character like writes this very sad vampiric opera until like Mila Kunis's character like points out this should be like a comedy. So it feels like his <laughs> rock opera is before Mila oh, Kunis. Oh, before written. he realizes. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he wrote it twenty years ago, but I I don't know. Maybe I'll say, hey, we need to do a revival of this and um, add some puppets, make it a parody <laughs> of vampire rock operas the numerous oh, ones man. we all know of but yeah, anyway. i guess i had more of an experience with Anne Rice going into this because yeah i did go through like a very small Anne Rice phase where i don't remember i think the first thing i ever saw was the the 2000s queen of the damned movie mm-hmm. and then i i really liked it so i was just like oh it's based off some books i'll look into the books and then i realized oh this first book they made into a movie and that's when i first watched the 94 movie of interview with the vampire and was like wow oh that other movie's bad <laughs> yeah i feel like you had a pretty common experience for people around the age we were when that movie came out because yeah. i have multiple friends who were obsessed with it and were like this movie's great and then i started seeing it in culture and people were like oh this movie is like infamously bad it's very bad i think if the movie weren't based on a source material because a lot of people say the queen of the damned is probably in rice's best book i think if it were just a random like we made the script based on vampires and it wasn't based off of anything i don't think the movie itself is terrible like it's it's definitely of its time but i think once you compare it to the source material it's like oh this is a interesting a lot of interesting choices being made especially since they make lestat super straight so straight in the queen of the damned movie how and why i guess i'll have to watch it before i pass any judgments yeah so I know that Anne Rice, for the time they allowed her to be anyway, was heavily involved in writing the screenplay for the 94 interview movie. Uh, By the time Queen of the Damned had come out, was she allowed to get anywhere near that script? Or were they like, no, she has a reputation for being kind of difficult to work with? Well, the interesting thing about the 94 movie is that although she is credited with writing the script, there is a lot of speculation that the director probably also had a big hand in it. Did I write down who the director was? It's Neil Jordan. Neil Jordan, yeah. He did The Crying Game. Uh, But he was pretty well known for having written his scripts for his movies like i think he won or was nominated for the crying game and he wrote the screenplay for that i don't know how involved Anne rice was with the queen of the damned movie but my guess is not very because it is so not her book in so many ways well, and turning people straight doesn't sound like an Anne Rice move. It it did seem to uh, come up for interview. I know they had thought, because I think, was it Paramount had the rights to this movie since the 70s, and it just was not being made because they'd have to change so much stuff with the relationship? Uh, my understanding is that, yeah, it was in kind of developmental hell for 
for a very long time because once the book the book was released in 76 and then it almost immediately got picked up by the studios um for the film rights and then it just sat there for years and even when the 94 version came out and rice was still not sure if a lot of the storylines that she had would be able to make it in. Like, I guess at one point she even considered making Louie female. Yeah. Because she wasn't sure. Yeah. She wasn't sure if the, the, uh, the queer subtext would make it in, but I think they do a really good job of it's a little more overt in the book, actually not that much more, but they make it ambiguous enough that I think the straights wouldn't realize it. Whereas the queer community watched the movie and they're like, Oh, Yeah, I see it. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for it, you don't have to look that hard. But I did hear that, yeah, one of their uh, workarounds to get this movie made faster was to make it a straight relationship and change, I think it was it Louis that you said to a woman? And Cher was the person who put a stop to it. No. Yeah, they wanted to cast Cher. They wanted to cast Cher? Yeah, which is hilarious because... I Cher, notoriously imagine. a huge ally. Cher was the one who put a stop to it because she was a big fan of Anne Rice's novel. And she was like, well, this, I, I can't be in this because then we're taking away from this overtly gay story, which it's funny that it's not as overt in the book. Apparently yeah. they, someone read this book and then people started pointing it out to Anne Rice. She was like, oh, I didn't realize I wrote a gay story. That's cool. And that was her opinion yeah Anne Rice is a really really interesting person because her her take on vampires and their their sexuality is just very much uh have you have you I know you don't watch Schitt's Creek but have you seen the wine label analogy yes I have uh in the show there's an analogy where one of the characters tries to describe his sexuality and he was like so I like like look at look at this bottle I just like the wine I like what's inside of it I don't really care what the label is so that's kind of how Anne Rice's vampires work they're just like we like everybody we'll be into anybody yeah and then sometimes they just have preferences but they just you know want that blood yeah I think like most vampire stuff the horny sex stuff is very similar to the bloodlust. It's all kind of intertwined. Um, should I give a quick summary for interview for those yeah, who please. somehow have avoided this? Yes, tell me what this is about. So this movie follows a, a vampire named Louie who has decided to tell his life story to a reporter in San Francisco. And so the framing device is quite literally him just giving an interview and he talks about his um, his life in New Orleans. He um, about him being changed by Lestat, and about how when their relationship kind of starts to falter because they have a lot of differences, uh, Lestat decides to uh, make them a child so that Louis won't leave. They literally change a child. Depending on the media you're watching, anywhere from six to fourteen. Her name is Claudia, and the thing with Claudia is that. Although her body doesn't age, she mentally ages. So essentially ends up being a full-grown woman vampire mentally stuck in the body of a child. And it causes a lot of conflict amongst their little family. And when Claudia and Louis decide they want to kind of explore and discover what other vampires are out there, Lestat will not let them leave. So Claudia makes him drink bad blood 
the blood of the dead um and they think they kill him uh it actually doesn't work they have to eventually set him on fire and then they run off to europe they find some other vampires in paris but they turn to, out to be worse than lestat and they find out that Louis and Claudia have killed their maker, which is a big no-no. You're not allowed to kill other vampires. At the same time that this coven f- finds this out, Louis starts entering into relationship with their leader, Armand, who is a vampire even older than him. Claudia knows that Lestat's probably going to, or not Lestat, Louis's going to leave. So she has Louis make her a companion And as soon as they do that, the coven of Paris vampires comes, brick Louis into a wall as an eternal punishment so he will just starve forever. And then Claudia and her new companion, they put in a well to wait the sun coming up. Armand does save Louis, but not in time. Claudia and her companion die in the sun. And then Louis gets revenge and kills all of the Paris vampires. And Armand, at the end, wants him wants Louis to come with him. And Louis's like, you could have saved Claudia. I know you could have. So he does not stay with Armand. He goes and discovers himself and he does meet Lestat one more time, but Lestat is just kind of sad now. Yeah. And then the whole the whole story ends with Louis finishing his story. And then the, the interviewer being like, turn me into a vampire. And Louis's like, you did not hear my story. So he scares them off. That is the best way to describe it generally over the different mediums, because each one interprets a little differently. We're going to be talking about mostly the 94 movie compared to the 2022 show. I might also talk about the book a little bit because I I reread it, but there's not that many differences between the book and the '94 movie. Did I get everything? Was that Ooh. all the things? Yeah, you a lot happens. Yeah, yeah, a lot does happen. It's a a two hour long movie, and they they've got a lot of ground to cover. So the movie does cover the whole book. The the TV show only covers the first half of the book, which is up until when they dispose of Lestat and they head off to Europe. Yeah, and we don't get Armand in the show. We'll talk about that at the end. Well, but I do. Well, yes yeah. and no. <laughs> yeah, no. We don't get a lot of him, uh, but we get acknowledgement that he is a character, and we're going to see more of him. And I assume the second season of the AMC show will be you know, that side of the story and that half of the book. But I did want to talk about just in terms of comparing the show to the film. So like you said, the framing device that they use is it's an interview with this guy named Daniel Malloy, which for whatever reason, when I first watched the first episode of the show, uh, that was the first experience I had with any of this story. I, for whatever reason, didn't realize that it was actually about a man interviewing a vampire, despite that being the title of the story. And I thought that was so silly. But also, (laughs) it was right in my face the whole time. They were telling me exactly what was going to happen. But I really like the way that they do this in the show, because the show seems almost like a sequel to the film now. And the, the interview starts... And we find out that this is the second time that Malloy has talked to Louie. So they're doing basically a follow-up interview. And I really like that 
this kind of explains why so much of the story has changed this second time, because even for a vampire, memory is valuable. He's pointing out inconsistencies in his story throughout the show, and I just really liked how they did that. Yeah, I I really like that too, and I think it's really interesting also because... If you ever get into the rest of Anne Rice's like Vampire Chronicles, I mean, the most notable thing is the tri- the main trilogy, which is Interview with the Vampire, the Vampire Lestat, and then Queen of the Damned. But when the Vampire Lestat came out, it came out about 10 years after the first book. It's Lestat telling his story. And he's just like, Louis is a liar. Let me tell you what actually happened. And so I think they do a very, very good job of weaving in the kind of knowledge that's to come into this adaptation because I think when you read Interview with the Vampire and you see the 94 movie, Louis seems completely honest, but they make him more of an unreliable narrator in the show, which I think makes sense for the books that are coming. That's really interesting. I wonder if then they will be able to stretch this show at least to three seasons if they are basing it just on that trilogy. Because as we have seen up until now, Lestat in present day is not around. So I wonder if maybe he is still alive and he'll be able to tell his version. I do like what you said. I don't think I noticed it as much when I watched, but Louis really is an unreliable narrator if you are comparing it to the film, specifically with a lot of things that... um would make him look really bad. Like the way that Claudia is turned into a vampire in the film is very different from what he claims happens in the show. Yeah, that's something a lot of people pointed out about the show too, is how Claudia has changed. Because in the book and the movie, Louis is a direct reason why Claudia gets changed. And my guess is that, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do past probably the second season if they bring in Lestat, because Louis makes himself just seem like a hero, like he saved this girl from a fire. But in the book and the movie, he is like wandering through town and he can't control his his hunger. And so he attacks a child and he can't bear to have been the one to end her life. So Lou, so Lestat just is like, all right. And so he changes her without Louis's consent. <laughs> it's like, I made us a daughter. Whereas yeah. in the show... Louis demands that Lestat change her and Lestat doesn't want to, um, which is interesting because you think that if Louis is changing the narrative, he would have adjusted that and had Lestat still just change her. But I think it's interesting. The way that he tells the story, at least, makes it seem like the only reason Lestat did it, despite knowing that changing a child into a vampire is obviously wrong is a manipulation tactic because Louis wanted to leave. He didn't want anything to do with Lestat anymore. And Lestat did what, you know, a lot of people do when their marriage is falling apart and went, oh, but if we have a kid, it's going to be a lot harder for you to leave. So even though this is clearly wrong, I'm going to do it anyway and hold it over your head. So it does still make him seem like not great, And he is still willing to do it, but more for his own gain. It is interesting to compare the show to the movie because they also adjusted the time period. So Mm -hmm. the show takes place in the the 19th century, so like 1800s in New Orleans. 
but Louis is a plantation owner and the show has Louis in the 20th century, so like the early 1900s, and he's a brothel owner and he's also black. So they, I like kind of how they adjusted his character and I like the time setting they put the show in. I love that they changed all of this. I think it was the smartest possible decision because in the movie, they really skirt by that whole, oh, this man actively owns slaves and we are seeing the slaves and engaging with them, but we are not acknowledging that that's the reality of what's happening. That's weird. Where (laughs) now in the show, changing him to a black man who is a wealthy person in the early 1900s is really interesting and gives him so many more layers because we see him as a black queer man who is, you know, because of that identity, even though he is wealthy and successful, he's still being looked down on by all of his white peers. And I think that's just so much more interesting than He's a sad slave owner who lost his daughter and child. Like, yeah, that sucks, but I can't feel as much empathy for this man. I really, I like the change as well. And I know they did this just in the film to make it a little straighter. But I like the story of Louis losing his brother. And that's why he is so depressed and unwilling to go on than his wife and child. I think that does still make sense if you're framing it as like Louis and Claudia are the replacement or Lestat and Claudia are a replacement for this. But I just, I think he's a much better and more interesting character in the show. Yeah. And I, I almost think that change with um, not including the brother's death, but like changing it very quickly to like a wife and a, and a child. I don't know if it's so much of them trying to stratify it as much as them being like, we need to streamline this very quickly. Are people going to believe he's just depressed over a brother's death or do we need to like up the ante? And that's kind of how I feel feel like what they did. But yeah, Louis is not very layered. He's just kind of a sad boy. He's much more interesting in the show. But I mean, Louis's character is definitely, Anne Rice lost her six-year-old daughter um, due to leukemia. And so this book is essentially a grief book. It's her just pouring all of her grief over her lost child into this book. And Lestat or Louis is definitely her like authorial stand-in. And so once she kind of starts to heal, she kind of becomes more like Lestat in the later books. That that kind of becomes her authorial stand-in after this book. Oh. Well, I'm excited to find out more when they make it into a show. I've heard that the first book is kind of boring, so I'm not, um, you know, jonesing to jump into it. <laughs> I I don't think you need to. I am more intrigued now to reread because I know I've read the the trilogy, but it's been a really long time and I forgot how boring Interview is. But the other books are really, are really interesting because they're almost like historical fiction oh the way she writes them because she gives such a like depth to like the time period and what these characters have experienced and what's gone on in their lives and it's so detailed um it's really interesting but yeah this book is i hadn't reread it in a very long time and i was like oh this is why i haven't reread it in a very long time it's kind of boring as shit yeah yeah um but this book was really popular when it came out i think it was really interesting because up to this point, 
we hadn't really gotten a lot of stories from vampires perspective it's all from the victims so when you read dracula you don't get dracula's perspective you get like the the heart what does it mean a harker harkness harkness Harkness. yeah. yeah you get like mina and like you know all of those people's perspectives but you don't get his so that is pretty interesting that's um not entirely similar but close to what a lot of people are doing now where they're taking ips that already exist and switching it to like okay well what was maleficent's experience or what was alphaba's experience with this and i do really like or cruella's oh it's so good so shockingly good that the yes. dog murderer has such a great backstory. Well, and because they they base it around you know what you've heard about me isn't the truth. Yeah, like and hey, so you can like, take let this me tell you the real story. story and turn me into a dog murderer if it'll help you. That's fine. God, I really want to rewatch that movie. It was so good. <laughs> but anyway, um, I did have an opinion. I have those sometimes Ooh. on our show. Yes, um, tell me about it. Just backtracking to the change when it came to um, who died in Louis's life. Yeah. We spend a lot of time in the uh, first episode of interview with Louis's family. And I think that helped a lot. You can see the dynamic between him and everyone, between him and his mom and his brother and his sister. And I think that really lends its hand as to why he ends up staying with Lestat for as long as he does because there's a lot of tension between a lot of his family members specifically his mom and the the religion aspect I think plays a lot into it as well because she's very Christian God-fearing woman and now he is a literal demon Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I do like that the show really takes its time to develop the characters and their relationship because Louis and Lestat actually have a sort of relationship before Louis ever turns or Lestat ever turns Louis into a vampire. I like that they spend because the first episode he doesn't end up a vampire I think until like the end right he gets changed at the very end. I think yeah I can remember. Oh man I was going to rewatch the pilot again today because it's so long and there's just so much happening. Um, from what I remember, he's almost turned, and then by the second episode, he is just fully a vampire. Yeah, because the second episode deals with him being a new vamp mm-hmm. and his relationship with Lestat. I do, like you said, though, I really like that they gave more depth to their relationship before yeah. he changes Louis, because you also see all of the like temptation and lust and stuff that is going into his willingness to be changed and in the movie yeah louis just kind of laying in bed being sad, depressed sad boy sad guy lestat shows up and is like hey man let me suck your blood and he's like okay <laughs> i guess and that's really it talking about the relationship about in the first episode and how they're boyfriends before he's a vampire yeah essentially they're they're very close he takes him on a date at least to a church That's and true. Punch, punches a, a priest's face. Well, in. he also takes him to a church and they have a threesome. So, Oh, yeah. Louis has a hot beard person and Lestat's like, let's all fuck. And they do. And it's great for me as a witness, as a horny pervert. <laughs> I loved it. They flesh out their relationship more for sure in the show. 
And then Claudia, not to change gears, but Claudia is also really interesting because she just keeps getting older and older. So in the book, she's like five or six. Mm -hmm. In the movie, she's like 10, obviously, because how many six-year-olds are you going to know that can... It's it's shocking that... Kirsten Dunst is so good in the movie. Like, her performance holds up so much. I love her. And then for the show, she's... 14 which i i know why they did it but i don't think it packs the same punch okay so a couple things one uh i agree kirsten dunce is fucking incredible Mm. it's insane Mm -hmm. that they have two of the biggest leading men in hollywood at the time in this film and within minutes she obliterates both of them. Her performance is fucking incredible. Two, I have a very similar opinion about the film as I do in the series, which is it does not get interesting until Claudia is introduced. And then I'm on the edge of my seat at that point. Three, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit with one thing. I think, and I do understand the tragedy of like, this person is now a child, an 11-year-old, stuck in this the body of an 11-year-old, but she is still maturing, like, mentally. Horrifying. She can never get to where she physically needs to be. But Bailey Bass, Bass, who they cast, is, like, 14, 15. I think that's way more interesting because now she is on the cusp of becoming a woman she's like in the middle of puberty and now she has just stopped there forever that's that's i don't know i think that's more interesting because she's got like a taste of what could be but she's stuck perpetually being viewed as a child because she it's like literally split down the middle of like where she should be i think the problem is that she doesn't she could pass as 18 she could pass as 21 i don't know i I think so. Like, I can never really buy that for me that she was like a child. I think the thing is, the book and the movie, Claudia as like a like a small child is not something we've really ever seen or have seen since. We've seen so many teen vampires mm-hmm. that for me, like there's there's Twilight, there's that um the the show that was on the CW, The Vampire Diaries, like since interview like we've done the this storyline i have seen it done so many times that i think the tragedy of like a small child that like grows up mentally and like knows she wants these things but she physically cannot feel them because she is a child like i think that's more upsetting than like being going through puberty and being sexually frustrated than to know that, like, I want to be in a relationship, I want to have those intimate relationships, and I physically am not capable. I do. Think it's not that do. people view me as a child and don't want to. It's that I physically can't. Yeah, and they do a good job of pointing that out in the show, where Claudia has a line where it's like, well, I can have these intimate relationships, but with who? With weird perverts, with, you know, pedophiles and predators, not great. And I, yeah, I do agree. I think it is the best that we've ever seen this story done with a kid. Because speaking of Twilight, like, they do have something similar happen 
where a kid is turned but then immediately is killed because they're like well we can't have little baby vampires running around they're vicious and fucked up i think if maybe they would have gone into that story a little bit more and i know they do in the books they might have you know had something but either way i think both uh ends of that spectrum are very sad yeah you can never like fulfill your potential i also am not a fan of the sexual assault storyline that's in the show i don't understand what the purpose of that was for like i'm glad you brought that up i think it's because they're trying to equate the fact that in the 94 movie one of the main reasons that claudia being turned so early is bad is because she for sure needs someone to take care of her Mm -hmm. and I feel like they were trying to show that to be like, see, young vampires will get raped if they're on their own. Like, I just, like, in Anne Rice's books, like, Armand, I'm pretty sure he was turned at, like, 15. So he is almost as young as Claudia is in the show. They aged him up in the show. I'm not, like, anti what they did with the show because Mm -hmm. having to film a whole show with a child that's that young, like, even Kirsten Dunst's age... There is something just more tragic about seeing, like, a small child as a vampire. You know what it reminds me of? But I still like Claudia in the show. I think she's great. Yeah, I think the actor does a great job, and I think that's really when it gets interesting. But when you were talking, for whatever reason, it reminded me of um, In the Others. when. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that little girl, like, won't age, and you see her in, like, the christening dress, and you're like, well, you're a fucking ghost. You're never going to get to, like you know, have a wedding and be an adult woman. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. It's very it tragic very sad. in terms of oh, that. Oh, sorry. Armand is 17 when he's changed. Just like Edward Cullen. S- still young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they made a smart decision aging For the show, up. besides the sexual assault, which I don't understand. I and entirely then, forgot it happened until you mentioned it. Because I, it's purposeless. I feel like... The reason, besides what I said before, they also want to give Louis another, like, like emotional crutch to be like, he caused this because he was a bad dad. I don't, they have a whole thing where he, like, tears out those diary pages and Lestat is super mean about it to Claudia. He's like, I can hear that other vampire. It's like, shit. I just don't. Yeah, their their relationship is um, very strange. I think... They're trying to make Claudia a more sympathetic person than what she actually is in the book and the movie. I would rather they Um, they do the opposite. I want to see her be a vicious child, mostly because that's not too far off from what kids are actually like, minus the, you know, murder and eating people. Yeah, because in the movie, Lestat never actually does anything to make them stay. It's more of just like he'll never let us leave. They just kind of realize that without him actually doing anything. And so what Claudia does is like like insanely cruel and just like, well, I'm going to kill him. Whereas in the the show, she's really pushed to like, she really, she tries to run away at one point and Lestat comes and brings her back. They're trying to make her killing of or attempted killing of Lestat seem more justified as opposed to just letting her be a very flawed person. Yeah. I think it, it does make sense just in the way that they are 
doing it with the family aspect. Like, it seems like a kid who is very abused getting to a final point where they're like, this is the only thing left I can do. Like, it almost reminds me of um, uh, Gypsy Rose, who found out like, oh, my mom has been lying about all of this stuff. I literally can't leave. This is my last resort. I don't know how good of a comparison that is, but... No, you know, I know what you one, mean. Like, yeah, actually happened, and the other is vampire lore. Yeah, Claudia is just a she's just a, always an interesting character. But it is Pride Month, so should we talk about uh, the queerness of both? Oh my god, that's uh, why we're talking about this. Yes, please talk about the movies. The movie is just kind of like lightly flavored with it. It's just like sprinkled on, um, but it's I don't Lestat and Louis' relationship in the movie comes off of more of I'm I'm sad and alone Lestat Lestat is so he's like I'll just change someone to like keep me company and then I'm just gonna torture them whereas in the movie or the show he does actually seem to like really be drawn to Louis and they have a relationship and then he turns him and they actually have a relationship it's not just them bickering back and forth it's them having an actual relationship so yeah it's definitely embracing the queer in the uh in the show as opposed to the movie which just kind of hints yeah i completely understand and agree with everything they did in changing these dynamics because it would be hard to make that today without acknowledging it because even in 1994 all of it seemed very sexual you mentioned the the i don't know why i didn't connect this when i watched the film but the threesome scene uh in the show is very reminiscent of there's a scene where louis and lestat are at a party it almost seems like a threesome scene where they're like draining this woman together it, yeah it's all, or yeah or this scene where um they like get there's like a woman who wants them to like kill her husband mm-hmm. and so and her husband is definitely like you know she's definitely her husband's beard that's what they insinuate and mm-hmm. so like lestat's having a good time draining that guy and then louis cannot cannot drain the woman so he kills the dogs instead because he'd much rather that's how much the thought of draining that woman just disgusts him he'd rather eat dogs and rats than a woman than a woman not than a woman he'd be too full from all the poodle blood um (laughs) can relate that's really interesting i actually hadn't put that together but i think that's a good read on it whether it is intentional or not I like everything they do in terms of the relationship in the show a lot better because you're yeah, not just digging for subtext the entire time and you're actually seeing them intentionally making this family with Claudia. It just it makes so much more sense for them to do. Yeah, I like the relationship a lot better in the show than the movie. I also buy them as a couple in the show because they yes. are a couple. <laughs> And there are some moments where, like, like Louis will, like, climb in Lestat's coffin, which happens in the book, mm-hmm. um, not in the movie. And they're, like, cute together. And then you're like, ah, oh, if only this relationship weren't so toxic. But you know what? You know, uh, the year 2023, we have a lot of debates about queer characters have often been villains or been killed off because of their queerness in a lot of stuff. And I really like that this show embraces like, no, queer people can be bad and they can be toxic and we can show that side of things as well. 
I don't, yeah. maybe it's just me. I really like showing these flawed characters and being like, hey, queer people are just like us. We can have absolutely horrific, toxic relationships. Let's take a look and examine that. Yeah, and although they, they do put great acknowledgement to the fact that this is a queer relationship, it's not the main focus. It's not the main point of their relationship, no, which the point I like. Is, it's a toxic relationship, whether it be two men, two women, a man and a woman, every other gender that exists, whatever combination. And to go back to Claudia, sorry, this just came into my head. I think something that the show does do better than the movie as far as Claudia goes is I like that they tell the story from her eyes and they introduce the fact that she had journals. I really liked that aspect of it. I like that as well because now we're not only getting Louis's perspective, but we do get a lot more depths and kind of an outsider's view of their relationship. Because in the yeah. show, they're not doing much or not anything at all to keep their relationship a secret. Like, for the most part, it seems pretty well known that they are together. That they're roommates? That they're, yeah, gal pals, boy pals. <laughs> I don't know what the uh, equivalent uh, term would be. Yeah, and I mean, the last episode, they just full on, like, make out at the parties. So. Oh my god, that was so interesting, too, because Louis points out, he's like, hey, we're doing all of these horrific things behind the scenes, we're killing and murdering people. The most offensive thing that they have seen thus far is two men dance with each other. It's like, yeah, that unfortunately is still true. Like the way people react to awful, horrible things, yeah. it's also uh, usually, you know, queer people are scapegoats so that, you know, you're then paying attention to that instead of all the war and horrible shit that's going on. Yeah. No, that's a great point. There's like one last scene between Louis and Lestat, like where they're talking to each other that I think is really touching. Um, and it's really sad because you know what's coming. You know that they're about to like enact their plan to kill Lestat and Louis is still torn, but he still, you know, supports Claudia because he'll always support his child before his lover. As you should. I do like that not a lot has changed with this plan in terms of what they do in the the movie and the book other than i don't think louis is in on it in the uh movie mm -mm. but it's louis yeah, just knows much... that it's yeah louis just knows that it's going to happen he doesn't know exactly what's gonna happen and he's definitely in on the plan and they make the plan a little more complex in the show because they introduce another like girl that Lestat has changed to be like his muscle I guess or like his spy and uh, it his, doesn't really change anything yeah she's like his other lover and then they're like kill this lady only be with me stop being in an open relationship I didn't want that and then he yeah. lies and says that he did murder her but really turned her into a vampire it's a whole big thing that yeah uh, was too much for me uh, since we talked about Louis and Lestat's relationship, should we talk about Armand and Louis' relationship? Yeah, let's do it. This part of the, the show, movie was kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. The it's a lot more interesting in the book because their connection is so much stronger in the book. They definitely tone that down for the movie. I'm really intrigued to see where they take the relationship in the show because the show ends. The first season ends with Lestat you know in as far as the book goes like halfway daniel starts kind of berating louis for clearly like 
not telling a truthful story and what you think is at least how they phrase it is one of louis like servants in dubai actually turns out to be armand and they're like in love and i'm i think i know where they're taking this and i'm i'm very intrigued but yeah in the in the movie armand is one of the vampires in paris and he he and louis start to really like vibe uh in the movie it's more of louis wants to know like the truth about vampires and everything that Armand's going to show him. And that's why he wants to go with Armand in the book. He's like in love with Armand. So it's very different. I, okay. I'm very interested to see where they go with this. I do like the way that the revelation that this is Armand happens in the show, mostly because by episode three, I had said that guy is probably Armand. And then I got proved right, which I love. I, I think just, fans yeah. weren't expecting it because in the book, he is a redheaded Russian man. Oh. So I think people were not expecting. I think that's why it caught a lot of fans off guard. Okay. Because well, they just not they were like, oh, okay. In either adaptation. Um, in one, he's Antonio Banderas. Yeah. And in know, the right? other, he is a an Indian man. I'm sorry. I don't know what the actor's name is. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think... In the movie, once he's introduced, I think some interesting things happen around him, but I think he's just a goofy character. Like, he's running that... He's sexy. He's just sexy in the movie. That's his main purpose. He's just Antonio yeah, Banderas. I mean, it's like Antonio Banderas. Yeah, he's, he is sexy. It's not yeah. his fault. Like, he can't help it. Um, but there, when he's introduced, it's at that vampire play where it's basically a live action snuff film that the people don't realize that at the the end uh, every night someone is sucked dry and murdered and i just thought that was so silly yeah the coven of paris vampires their whole shtick is that they have a theater where they pretend to be humans being vampires but really it's vampires pretending to be humans, pretending to be vampires. It's very face-off. avant-garde um, is the uh, line. Yeah, and they, like, at the end of each show, they have a victim. They're, like, really eating a human, and they everyone just thinks it's a play. Yay. Yeah, the character breaks the fourth wall and is like, please help me, they're gonna eat me. And the whole crowd is like, they're such good actors, good job. It's It's dumb, it's not a great cover, because obviously those people that they're murdering are going to then go missing. And if anyone notices, I My assume guess they're, they're like prostitutes. Probably, yeah, they're probably people picking peasants. people who aren't going to be missed. But that's how Armand is introduced. He comes out and he's like, okay, I'm going to pretend to be a an actor and suck this girl dry. What, what else and interesting I, happens? Him and Louis well, immediately are like on the verge of making out the second they meet. Yeah, they yeah, they are so, so drawn to each other. Yeah. And like Claudia realizes right away. That's why she's like, Louis, you have to make me a companion because you cannot leave me on my own. And I know that Armand has enough hold over you and sway that you will. So make and me. He doesn't want any kids. So I guess I've got to make myself a mom. Yeah. And he, uh, him doing that for Claudia crushes his, his spirit because he's just like almost despondent after he makes. I think her name is like madeline i can't remember who i don't remember but, but yeah the companion for claudia and i think she's really interesting too because 
I, I do like that Claudia at least finds someone who's like, yeah, I understand what's going to happen. Uh, she finds someone who really wants to take care of her and is okay with becoming. She doesn't just yeah. like pull a lady off the street, like, don't tell her what's going to happen. Just do it. No, I like um, the way they did it because the woman has lost a child and now she's like, oh, well, I get this kid who never stops being a kid and can never, hypothetically, never die. So it, it does make sense as to why she's yeah. so gung-ho about becoming a vampire and watching this little girl. Doesn't end well for either of them. But... No, no, it's really sad. Let's talk about Claudia's death. It's so sad. I'm sorry, we're, we're not in the show world anymore because the show hasn't covered this yet. Uh, but it's so tragic what happens because Louis, especially how they cut it in the movie, you think Louis going to run in and save her just in time. He does not. Armand could have... See, this is what's interesting to me. I'm really intrigued to what they're doing with Armand and Louis in the show because uh, I can give you some layers, but I my guess is they're going to break their relationship apart in the next season because the fact that they're together in the show, there's a lot of problems there well, because it's not... Do you want some backstory? Do I? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my opinion right now is I think it's bad because Armand is uh, definitely at fault for Claudia's death. He I don't could think have I'd saved Claudia. With... Yeah, I wouldn't want to date the guy who murdered my child. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. So my guess is maybe they're going to have it in the show where maybe Louis doesn't realize that yet. And Daniel's going to be the one who points it out. Yeah, in the book and the movie, he knows after Claudia dies, he's like, you could have stopped it. And I know you didn't. And so that's why he leaves Armand. But Armand, his like of Louis, once you read the vampire Lestat, is real fucked. Because he was in a relationship with Lestat and loved Lestat. And Lestat left him to go to New Orleans. And that's where the interview with the vampire starts. And so Armand's love for louis is more of like i'm mad that lestat left me so um, i'm gonna date his boyfriend yeah because in the book okay um lestat is there in paris mm -hmm. when they take claudia away to kill her like they have like a trial and lestat is there and he's like yeah she tried to kill me because he had had a relationship with this coven who Oh, There's a right, whole backstory okay. about how they were Satanists who were turned into vampires. Okay. And then good. over the years just turned into a theater. Um, but yeah, in like Louis leaves Paris. And at the same time, Armand's having this big argument with Lestat because Lestat is like pissed that about everything that went down. And Armand like pushes him out a window and he breaks all his bones, kind of like in this the thing that happens to Louis in the in the season. Yeah. Lestat in his book says that interaction that Louis wrote that like he saw me like years later that never happened I went and buried myself underground because I was done dealing with the like the mortal world and he wakes up like much later um, oh okay he, so rock music film, is what wakes him up <laughs> that's crazy I hope it was a yeah. really good song I hope it was that Guns N' Roses well, cover of Sympathy with the Devil at the end well, of the movie well Lestat wakes up to like 80s rock music and he forms his own band and it's like you know what Louis told his story and no one's tried to kill him even though it's against our rules I'm gonna form my own band and I'm just Hold gonna on. be like I'm a vampire and he just embraces it hang on 
There's a whole story where Lestat <laughs> becomes an 80s hair metal icon, and that's not what yeah. we're making movies about. What the well, that's what Queen of the Damned fuck. is about. I'm watching that's it what today. Queen of the... I'm because uh, Lestat's music is what wakes up the queen, who is essentially asleep, and then she tries to kill the whole world with Lestat on her side. <laughs> This sounds awesome. Okay, I'm starting to understand why people in my generation thought Queen of the Damned was a good movie, because the way you're describing it now, I'm convinced it sounds yeah. fucking rad. The time period that the that Queen of the Damned came out, like in like early 2000s, they use oh, like early 2000s rock like music, so it's rock. not like the 80s. They're yeah, it's not like the... Yeah, yeah, actually. I, um, listen, I am a Nickelback <laughs> apologist i think they've got some really good songs and i don't care who just, knows it i i don't have really a i'll make you a playlist <laughs> i don't yeah sure give make me a nickel black playlist <laughs> i love it's it gonna have like four um, songs on it but yeah so in terms of how they're gonna adapt the second season i'm really intrigued to see how they because they make less like louis and armand seem like they're like soulmates and but i think it's definitely like once you know more the background of the other books it's a lot more devious i'm wondering if they're gonna kind of keep to that or they're gonna change it well and i'm wondering a lot of the same things now because there are a couple lines in it that make me wonder why Armand was so okay with Louis telling this story. At one point, he tells Daniel, like, yeah, this is basically a well-documented suicide is what is happening right now. Because once people find out about this vampire guy, obviously, you know, they're yeah. going to want to kill him. So now I'm kind of wondering if Armand is like, well, if he's dead, he doesn't have to know about all this stuff I did to betray him. Well, and it also, I think Armand might also be one of the reasons why Louis is changing his story as well. It's almost like they've gone over the story between them mm. and like been like, what's okay for me to tell and what's not. That's true, because Armand is in the room for a lot of it, and sometimes he'll make a comment, and Louis's like, I didn't say you could talk right now, get out. We already talked about what we were going to say at this point, so stop, you know, changing the story. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm very, I'm very, very intrigued to see where the show goes. And I think the idea of like making an interview show is really interesting because I think once I get done telling Louis's story, I think they could easily bring Lestat in and be like him being like, hey, Daniel, can I tell you my story? Hey, man, sorry I tried to eat you back in 1994, but I've got a lot to <laughs> I, say now. I don't know if that happened necessarily because I don't know if they're continuing it as if it happened from the movie or the book. It doesn't because seem the book like doesn't it. end with Lestat like jumping out, which I th I really like the movie for doing. It just ends with Daniel like running away and leaving, whereas the movie ends with Daniel getting in the car and being like, "This is going to be incredible," and then Lestat pops up, like drains him, pushes him back, and says, "All right, I'm going to give you the choice that I never had." and I do like Tom that. Tom Cruise is just eating this role up. He's I I think this might be my favorite role of Tom Cruise's. I just it's so good. Ooh. Love it. Okay. I've got a couple. I love Tom Cruise <laughs> as an actor. As a person, I've got some very conflicting feelings. Yeah. But yeah, this well, is like, one of my favorites. Could you imagine Tom Cruise making a movie like this today? Yes. One hundred percent yes. 
Are you kidding? I I really like what was the last like role he did that wasn't just strictly him as an action star? Um, okay. It's one that you and I saw together and fucking loved. It's that's a we like a lot of movies. <laughs> it was Rock of Ages. Oh, I forgot about Rock of Ages. Oh my god, he's incredible. I listen to the soundtrack all the time. I feel like the only reason he wouldn't do this kind of role is because there's always been that that like rumor going around that he's gay. He's not going to do a movie that would perpetuate that. Oh, huh. Did that rumor start because of this movie? I was three when this movie came out, so I don't know. I don't know when that rumor started. I just know that it's like a rumor that a lot of shows have made jokes about. Well, I feel like at this point he has proven that he's not gay as far as I know. So maybe he'd be open to it. Um, would the church let him do it? <laughs> oh, you know what? I don't think they would because didn't they get really mad at John Travolta when he was in Hairspray in drag? Did they? I'm pretty oh, sure they did. Maybe. I, I don't yeah, like John think, Travolta. Oh, okay. I think he seems uh, unfortunately um, warped by Scientology. You know who I'm really glad got out of Scientology recently? Juliette Lewis. Thank God, because she's oh, so talented. And I don't want to, in the back of my mind, be like, oh, she's bad. Like, I have to do every time I see Elizabeth Moss. I'm like, she's fucking great, yeah. but she's fucking awful. Yeah, the... I didn't know Juliette Lewis was a part of the church. She got out very recently. Oh. So hmm. thank God. Um, what were we? Oh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. He hams up this role so much. He's so good. I think it's so funny that Anne Rice was pissed that he oh was cast. Oh my God, so much. Well, she was I, very vocal about it too. Like to the point of where when the movie came out, she had to like, she personally called him to apologize. And then she also took out a two page ad in Variety to tell everyone that she was wrong and they should all go see the movie. It's a masterpiece. Well, and this was after bad mouthing it for the entirety of production. So I'm glad yeah. she did try to backtrack and like, no, I was wrong. But I do understand when you read books, do you like mm -hmm. cast people in your head as yeah. you know, you can like see who you would want playing this role. I yeah. think as the writer, she was doing that as well. Like I know um, she wanted Julian Sands for one of them and she had like, you know, cast the movie in her head already. So I understand why she was so hesitant, but I think maybe they should have let her be more involved with at least you know, watching the auditions and seeing like, oh no, I'm wrong. Tom Cruise is great. And it would have yeah, shown her. Yeah, shown her a daily or something like here's see he's great. And she could would have backed off. But yeah. My guess is as someone who has recently dealt with people who are uh, uh -huh. very emotional and involved about what you're making. I get it. I get why they probably were like, this is just going to cause more problems. She's going to like it when it comes out. Just wait and let her see it. And plus, that probably actually built up some publicity and buzz with her being so outspoken. People are like, what is this movie going to be? That's true. And people just going and being like, well, maybe it'll be really bad. And then we can be outraged. Or it'll be so bad that it's hilarious or, you know, whatever other reasons people hate watch stuff. No or all publicity is good publicity, or whatever the saying is. Yeah, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah, I do, um, in terms of Louie, Brad Pitt is fine. He doesn't have to do much other than be sad and boring. 
and have a ponytail. Yeah, I think I think even he said like there just wasn't much for me to do except being sad. He um, hated I mean, this role. Louis in the book is is not a like a super like he's just very sad because he's you know he's the grief character that Anna Rice was writing when she she you know after her daughter died and but I do think he really sells the Claudia Depp scene like his reaction to it is so heartbreaking it's so tragic I every time I see that scene it's still like really heartbreaking um when he finds their ashes left behind oh no that's horrible and then because they're like solidified, so you can still see like their yeah. features, and they kind of just break them apart. It's and they're very clutching sad. each other. Yeah, I do think, in terms of cinematography, that might be some of my favorite imagery in the movie. Is when he then burns down the place where yeah. all the Paris vampires are staying. You can see a lot of influence in a lot of other vampire stuff. Um, specifically, I saw that scene and I went, oh, it's Midnight Mass when Father Paul burns the church down. That's literally like, what do they call it? Like a, a visual oh, quote. Yeah, yeah visual it's quote. really yeah. fucking good in both of those things. Yeah. And I think that scene where um, he finds their ashes and they kind of like, he touch- he reaches out and they like disperse. I think that's practical. Oh, that's crazy! And I, from what I know, it's they just they were just hoping they're like we only we can we only have one shot to do this because they had that ash statue made and then they like had strings to pull it apart and it just worked out perfectly. Oh my so, god! Yeah, that's I know there was um, like a huge budget for this movie, so I am yeah. assuming yeah they were able to spend a lot of that on really good practical effects because other than like some of the shots of them flying around everything looks really good yeah everything holds up for the most part and this movie made a ton of money this was a hit yeah i don't doubt it you know one of the only movies to beat it why are you laughing <laughs> what um do you know what else came out that year that okay. was in theaters wait it's at the same time <laughs> is it the lion king uh, the Lion King was out, but I don't okay. think it was out at the same time. Oh wait, because hold they on. Were, it was. They were both up oh, for no, no. music. It's the Oscars. Santa Claus. I know exactly what it is. It's the Santa Claus. Yeah, I just you fucking I just, love the Santa Claus. This is your fault. I I feel like it went from being a joke about the Santa Claus to being like I feel like Jim Carrey in the number twenty three. Like I'm just seeing it everywhere now. <laughs> Listen, was it ever a joke? You and I watched the santa claus television show recently oh my god and what a weird masterpiece unironically genuinely (sighs) fucking loved it had the best time it's so weird but like i get it now yeah it's just fun it's just fun and silly and we guessed it on another podcast and i made a joke that i'm like yeah my thing with the show is that i just always relate everything back to the santa claus and then we did this movie and i was like oh no <laughs> santa claus is in the theater. <laughs> like it's unavoidable right now it uh i'm so sorry yeah yeah i'm trying to think of, is there anything else to huh. to bring up or talk about i don't know i think we covered pretty much everything i wanted to talk about yeah i'm sure there's more to talk about but i'm excited to see where the show takes the story i think they're definitely trying to build up to like i think they're definitely trying to build up to queen of the damned because they had that major witches show sounds fucking awesome um 
Dude, Queen of the Damned is I need to reread it. It's been a really long time, but I it's so cool because you get to also learn the history of like Anne Rice's vampires and how they became vampires. And like it's so interesting. I know um, that you've told me like snippets of things when we've talked about other vampire stuff. And the the very few things that I do know are from Queen of the Damned or from like or how all the vampires die if you like kill the sire and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a um because the queen and they're from ancient Egypt, the queen is like the first vampire and there's there's a point where like people start like watching them because they get to a point where they stop feeding and they just kind of her and she turns her king into a vampire too Mm -hmm. they kind of stop feeding and they just kind of become like living statues and so people start like watching them and guarding them they're called those who must be kept um which they i think they bring up in the show at one point somebody says something about those who must be kept sounds familiar but one of the keepers gets just kind of fed up with it and so he decides i'll put them in the sun and let the sun kill them and then i don't have to to do anything anymore but it kills everyone the thing is the older with Anne rice the older you are as a vampire the stronger you are and like those who are like over a thousand years old they can go on the sun no problem Um, okay and they kind of mentioned that in the show because daniel's like how can you be a vampire i saw you standing in the sun and he's like well i'm old the sun doesn't affect me as much. So that guy puts puts the queen into the sun. And the thing is, it doesn't really affect her. But all of the baby vamps burst into flames and die. Oh, that's um, actually, crazy. I think there's a term for it. It's like the vampire like like catastrophe or something. They have a term for it in their like their like vampire like community because almost all of the vampires died. It wasn't just the baby vamps. Almost the all of the vampires died. Catastrophe is the name of my metal band. Um, I don't think it's awesome. maybe it's like Cataclysm or something. That's even it might better. Be that. Are you kidding? <laughs> the vampire um, Cataclysm? Or Calamity. I think it's Calamity. The vampire Calamity is the name um, of my folk band. Yeah, so yeah, I'm very intrigued to see what they do with the show. Um, I am too. I, I'm wondering, because um, we had mentioned the age of Claudia and the girl who was playing her was recast. So I'm wondering if that might be part of the reason, because they're very vague about it online. But I wonder if she just went through puberty. They were like, you don't look the right age anymore, so we have to cast someone younger. I, I don't know, because... They just keep saying unforeseen circumstances, and I don't know what that means. The actress who plays Claudia in the show, Bailey Bass, she's also in the Avatar movies. So I'm wondering if it's like a contractual thing. Usually if it's a scheduling conflict, they'll just say like, we're not able to do it because of the scheduling conflict. So I don't really know what's going on but they did recast claudia it looks like i looked up the actress who they recast and she looks to be about the same age as bailey bass so i don't i don't i don't know i don't um, know either i'm sad i think she was really really good but that's yeah, okay she was really, i'm really hopeful good. for this new actor i'm sure she'll be very good or they wouldn't have cast her i think those are all my thoughts yeah i didn't have a ton to say about this one it's um We've been doing a lot more ambiguous stuff lately, so there's been more of a need for a deep dive, but this was all pretty surface level. Just comparing the the adaptations. 
do you have an opinion being someone who read the book and watched the film and watched the show? Uh, which one is your favorite? It's so hard because I think they're both really good. Mm-hmm. I think I'm liking the show more, but I do tend to like long form media better, especially when you're adapting a book because you can do so much more than what a movie has time to do. But the 94 movie is iconic. I love the music is really good. I love the production design is really good. I really like the acting for as much as like, for instance, uh, Brad Pitt was given to do. Kirsten Dunstow is amazing. Um, And I think it's directed really well. And I think it's also paced really well for as much happens. um, I think they do a good job of pacing it. But I am more invested, I think, in the show because I think I'm getting to get to know them more as characters. And as someone who has a base knowledge of the Anne Rice universe, I'm intrigued at how they are adapting the show and weaving in stuff that they didn't in the movie because they didn't know where the like the trilogy was ending. That makes sense. I, I think I agree with you on most of those points. I think the pacing in the movie could have been a little better, but I do understand with like everything that they had to jam pack in there that they do a great job. But I am always an advocate of, well, how the fuck are you going to turn this 400-page book into a two-hour movie? Make it <laughs> yeah. long form. Just make it a show. We'll watch it. And thankfully, that is finally a thing that people are adapting to. But yeah, just in terms of like characterization and fleshing them out as actual people, I like the show a lot better. Yeah. And, yeah. And I really like Daniel, um, the, like, mm-hmm. the, the journalist guy. I think they gave him a really interesting backstory they've definitely fleshed his character out more and because they've given him a terminal illness it makes sense why he doesn't care standing up to louis and like saying what's on his mind because he's like sure kill me i'm dying anyway i'm gonna die what's the worst you could do turn me into a vampire and then i'll live forever (laughs) no or you just kill me and end my suffering sure either way i do think that they yeah it makes more sense to have him older in this It's fine in the movie, but it almost seems like, and I think they're hinting at this or definitely just leaning into it in the show. It seems like the way that they met each other was they were like, Louie picked him up in a bar. Like he went home with a a guy to have sex, but he turned out to be a vampire and now they're doing an interview instead. Well, I think, like, in the show, I think they just established that, like, he was an aspiring journalist, and so he was, like, going to, like, the out, like the places on the outskirts to be like, who's got a good story? Um, but they're definitely flirting. But they're, yeah, their relationship is is interesting. And in the, in the book and the movie, it just seems like they, like, met on the street, and he was like, can I tell you my vampire story? He's like, all right, let's go. So... They kind of just cut to the chase in the in the movie because they have so much to cover. They just like th- an interview is happening. That's all you need to know. Yeah, I don't know. I do. I like Daniel better in the show. I think I like all yeah. of the characters better in the show. And I think. Well, and I go ahead. Oh no! Just in terms of the acting, um, I think. Oh, what is his name? Jacob. Oh, I don't know. Guy that plays Louie. Tremblay. Not him. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Good guess. Hold on, let me look Anderson. Jacob Anderson. I think he's so much more interesting and like dynamic more than Brad Pitt because they give him more to do. But I think Sam Reed does a really good job of matching the Tom Cruise energy 
that he brought yeah. to that role. He tones it down a bit because you need to. I, but I think Yeah, he, I he, really yeah. yeah, I really like Sam Reed's performance because we're gonna get to a point where we're going to see like Lestat's truth. So I think they make him a character that is sympathetic whereas tom cruise is great in his role but i'd never buy that he's a nice person whereas stat i can see him conflicted and i see where his like traumas are so i understand him more as a character yeah that was a much better way to say what i was trying to say he's way more complex and i think uh yeah i care about him a lot more while still being able to see him as a villain i can you know i can see his flaws yeah yeah love it and i think daniel in the show is is much more of like the audience stand-in especially the fans who already know the books because they keep he keeps questioning louis which is probably like the fans who have read the books like know the truth so they're like ah question him about that he's lying that's so smart too to have the inconsistencies pointed out that you know your fans are going to get on reddit and be like well why did they change this and the show is just asking it for you. Yeah. That's smart. I yeah. really like that. But I think those are all I think those are all my thoughts. Yeah, those are all the thoughts that I can make today. I'm at my limit. Uh oh, the only other thing I want to say is I like how they interpret the vampire power slash speed in the show. Uh it's so much better than like I love Twilight, but <laughs> They're always just like blurry lines, whereas I like the idea that they slow everything else down and the vampires are just moving normal, but everything is moving slowly around them. Oh, I like that. This actually, I have one more thought. That yes. um, I really liked as well, specifically because I have seen Dr. Sleep and it's very similar to how Rose the Hat like doesn't mm, yeah. go soaring through the air. She just kind of moves the world to around her, her. Will. Yeah, it yeah. makes for really beautiful imagery. I, I do like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I would recommend if for some reason you haven't seen either of these, check them both out. I think they're both good. I think, yeah, they're worthwhile. Should we do ratings for each of them separately? What do you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. What is your general rating for the 94 movie? Oh, hmm. I would give the 94 movie probably a three and a half. I think it okay. definitely has flaws, but I think they outweigh the good outweighs it, specifically the acting. I think it's a beautiful movie. I Yeah, I think it's pretty good. What's your rating for the show? I would give the show a four out of five. I think this I think story wise, okay. it's a yeah. bit better. They give everyone more depth and it's just more engaging. I think it's very good. Horror struck for both as a one. They are horror movies. <laughs> they are about Mine are, yeah. They're not scary at all. Yeah, my horror strikes are also one for both. Uh, my general rating, I think I would give a four out of five for both of them. I think I like them both a lot. I think for the movie, I don't think the characters are as deep as I want them to be. So I can't give it a full five. But I still, there's so, there's so much good about the movie it looks so good it's so well acted so well directed i love the music but i think yeah there's just not as much depth to it but i think as an adaptation they did a really really good job adapting the book and the show it's not a five just because i think there are some things they changed that i don't think quite 
work as well. Like Claudia being a little older, I still really like her character. I don't think it works as well. I don't like the essay that happens in it. And I don't like how they're trying. Well, I guess this doesn't really count because it's definitely seems like a reimagining, but how they're trying to make Louie more of like, he's never done anything bad. I think um, that'll definitely be proved wrong by the but, next season, but I, um, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I do really like how they're how they're adapting it, and I'm really intrigued to see where they take the story and how they adapt the rest of the books. And the new show, it just looks incredible. It's so well it's so well acted. I love everyone they've cast, and I like the reimagining of the story. So there's only very few complaints that don't make it a five for me. All right, fair enough. Uh, what are we doing next week? I Tell aggressively me. just suggested that we do Sleepaway Camp um, because it will be summer and we need a summer camp movie that is not a Friday the 13th movie. And we meant to talk about this one, I think, last July. We were going to do a whole oh, summer yeah. camp themed something, but things just kept coming up and we were only able to do, I think, just yeah. the original Friday the 13th. Yeah, Cecilia had some big life changes happen in the month of July, so uh, we didn't do anything in July. Well, that's what it was, and then I was on uh, vacation as well, and then I had surgery like immediately after, so there was just a lot going on. So that's what we're yeah. going to do. We're going to do sleepaway camp, and then the following week it will be my birthday, so we're still working out what's going on then. Give us suggestions for fun birthday movies let us know or if you just want to traumatize me i mean that could be fun too happy birthday here's a scary movie movies about severed heads i don't want to do that no one suggests that should we watch like reanimator isn't there just like a severed head in that that's a good movie i'd watch that again okay it really depends on the head (laughs) all right is there anything else we need to talk about uh go Go to our Patreon. We're doing watch alongs. It's fun. Go buy some merch. Go. We're also going to... Did Hannibal win? Oh, okay. Speaking of Patreon. Yeah. So we did a poll the other day. We're going to do a first time watch of something and have it a featured series over on Patreon. And Hannibal, the Brian Fuller series, won. So... By the time this comes out, maybe we'll have more info or have an episode up or who knows. Yeah, I don't know if by the time this comes up, we'll have an episode, but we should have an episode up pretty shortly. It'll probably become a weekly or like every other week kind of thing. So uh, we'll pick a day and we'll let you know. So it's coming out on the same day of the week. Maybe like a Friday or something. We'll We'll figure it out. We'll let you know. On all the socials, (laughs) go over there too. Do whatever you want. I'm not your boss. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us. Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride. And that's going to be it for this week's episode of Horrorstruck. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at Pod or over on Facebook at Podcast. And guess what, guys? We're on Patreon now. So if you want to support us and to become part of our horror family... Click the link down below. And as always, stay spooky. Bye. Bye.